0: That's what we strive to do, is constantly look for smart, intelligent, curious people to join us, and then go out and find really complicated things for them to work on. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy.
1: Happy Each week. We interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. All right, all right, all right. It is episode 158. And this episode is all about curiosity in manufacturing. Leading a systems integrator through rapid growth and establishing your identity in industry. And we're going to cover all of this through our conversation with Walker Maddox, founder and CEO of Gray Solutions. Gray Solutions is a full-service automation, operations, and information systems integrator that's been on the rise since 2018. And here are three things you can expect from today's episode. First, we're going to hear Walker's story and some of his best leadership tips that have allowed him to be successful in creating a team of hungry, driven, creative, and curious Solutioneers at Gray. Second, we'll cover how they're addressing some of the biggest trends in the industries they serve, like food and beverage, CPG, and chemical to name a few. And then finally, Gray Solutions recently went through a bit of a rebrand, so we'll discuss how to know when it's time to adjust your story in industry. If you want to learn more, if you want to check out the show notes page, go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 158. That'll take you straight there. And before we get rolling on today's episode, I do want to thank our sponsor today, 3M Abrasives. I want to let you know that 3Ms... Clash of the Grinders Student Edition Series is out now. It's a high-stakes grinding and welding competition that pits soon-to-be pros against each other to find the next best in skilled trades. The top winner receives a whopping 10 thousand dollar scholarship sponsored by fanuk this series is rolling and episodes are being released you probably heard our episode a couple weeks ago where we gave you a bit of a sneak preview but it's over at 3m abrasives youtube channel you can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3m thank you 3m for making this show possible and with that i think it's time to dive into today's conversation Let's meet up with Walker, who was actually on one of Gray Solutions' job sites as this interview was going down. So without further ado, let's dive in and chat with Walker Maddox. Walker, if we were having this conversation in person over a beverage today, where would that be? Tell us, paint the picture for us. We would be, this time of year, we would for sure be down in South Florida,
0: probably sitting on a waterfront uh, watering hole I like to go to called Kaloo's, uh enjoying some water, relaxing by the breeze. And uh, one of the reasons I enjoy going there is they happen to serve uh, Hatfield Farms pork chops. Uh, and It's also the place where Grey Solutions kind of got its start. Um, in a very weird way. And uh, one of my favorite places to go when I'm taking a break. So that's where we would for sure be.
1: Okay. So I I have to ask then, what is, what is the story of how Gray Solutions got their start at Kalu's? This is absolutely the type of conversation that would take place at the bar.
0: You know, so uh, it was September of 2017 and um, our sister company, Gray Construction, was in the middle of a large um, pork processing startup for Clemens Food Group. A uh, family-owned business based in Pennsylvania for many years, several generations now leading the company. And the startup, as most startups go, you know, all startups are perfect. They always go exactly according to plan. There's never any problems. If anybody has the solution to the perfect startup, I've got a million-dollar check in my pocket for you. Um, but they had some challenges, and I got a call from several people within Gray, including finally Stephen Gray, asking me to leave my vacation uh, in South Florida. And go work in a freezer on an ASRS. Uh, and I, I said no four or five times because I was on vacation. I was having a great time. Um, ended up going up there on Monday. And the Clemens Project is really what, what kind of tipped our scale to say, you know, the industrial customers that Gray has served for decades. One of their greatest needs is automation expertise so they can help make their operations run and be more efficient. And at the time, the Gray family realized, uh, hey, we, we need to have this in-house. This is too important to our customers to let someone else do it. Uh, we want to control our own destiny and do this. And at that time, um, about two months later, was when Stephen, asked me, uh, Stephen Gray asked me if I would start a business doing this for them. Um, we came up with a lot of names. The one that fell to the ground was Integration. I'm glad that one died because that would be just a really... <laughs> Bad name to live with. Uh, yeah,
1: so, <laughs> I, I like the play on words, though. It's fun for a podcast like this, but I think it's good that you went a different direction.
0: Yeah, so that that was kind of the origin story, right? It, it started with me taking some calls, sitting right there, and the interesting thing. So I went back. I mentioned right Hatfield family, the Hatfield Pork Chop. Um, that's the one of the brand names of the Clemens product. So I was there the next Christmas, having dinner with my family, and looked down at the menu. And, and had to order the Hatfield pork chop off the menu to, to really watch the world come full circle. Uh, and that's the, I mean, that's the best part about working in food is you get to see stuff all the time. See, seeing the product that we made at that plant in that location was pretty special and cool, but uh, it definitely is a, a sign from the universe that
1: some things are just meant to happen. Fantastic origin story. I'm all about theoretically having this conversation over pork chops. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, originally, where pork steaks are kind of a blue-collar delicacy. Okay, so we're having pork chops. We're, we're having a beverage. The other question I have for you is, what does it mean to let curiosity lead? Describe that as if we're having a drink. You know, I
0: think that people will often talk about, the, what's the saying, curiosity killed the cat? Um, but but cats get nine lives, so I think we may have that a little backwards. Um, I think curiosity is what leads to a lot of really interesting ideas, and and we've spent a lot of time um, as the business has evolved and grown, and we've brought people in to really try to define what makes a solutioneer a solutioneer. And you know, like any good problem, I kept coming up with all these complex answers, um, complicated lists, long lists, all kinds of stuff, and eventually just came back to, well, they're all just curious, right? They're very curious about their space, the the space, the industries that we serve, the technologies they can provide. And so at the end of the day, what we learned as we studied it more is that curiosity is what makes those people special um, and why they come to us and why we do great things for our customers. We're we're often not satisfied by what if, or or it's always done this way. We really look at what can we do? And so it, it means for us to take curiosity and let it take you all kinds of places. Um, let follow that thread, pull on it, and, and just run it down. Sometimes it means going down a rabbit hole. The rabbit holes is going to be gone.
1: And for context for our audience, Let Curiosity Lead is what is very apparently your new slogan as part of your rebrand at Gray Solutions. We'll get into more of that later in the interview, but we want to get to know you a bit more first, Walker, before we keep going. And I have to ask the other if we're having a drink type question is, what does it mean to be a recovering serial entrepreneur? That's how you describe yourself. I'd love to dig into that a bit more.
0: You know, so I think for me, uh, I've always been intrigued by different things, learning new stuff. And, and I've always had a, a business, a bit of a business twinge. Grew up in a small family business. My dad was a, an auctioneer and real estate broker. And so that has always been something that I've been attracted to. And I couldn't figure out for the first first little part of my life what, what, I, what I wanted to do with that bug. And so tried a bunch of different things, tried some IT stuff, started a marketing firm, then fell in love with the automation and control space. And so I think what, what I mean by that is I think a lot of times you hear stories of serial entrepreneurs. Uh, probably the most famous one today is, is Mr. Musk, right, just constantly starting and evolving things. But for me, it's, it was pretty special to find then a home. Um, that lasted a while. So, you know, five years ago we started Gray Solutions, and I've been working ancillary to this automation space in, in one way or another, really for almost nine years now. So, going on a while. So, for me, that's a that's a long term that's a long term job, uh, and it feels good to have a place to land. Once you've realized, hey, I, I've I've fallen in love with this work. I love it. It's fun to do. Um, I'm on site at a startup with my team right now. Um, and this, this is the fun stuff to do. We get to go in a, in a facility and help our customers make some products.
1: That is a bit of a precursor to the next question I want to ask, because you gave us a bit of the origin story around gray solutions, but I want to know a bit more about why did you finally decide to found it, right? You mentioned you turned them down like four or so times. What was the thing that ultimately pushed you over the edge to say, yes, let's do this?
0: Well, you know, a couple of things happened. I, I recognize the same need. I'd worked with Gray Construction, our sister company, for several years on various projects. And so the need was there. And when Stephen Gray approached me to, to start it up, he recognized that we didn't want to start a division within the construction company. We wanted to start a standalone business that could serve customers before there may be a construction project, after, during, etc. And it created a uh, a very stable and mature company based in Kentucky. And Gray was founded in 1960. I'm um, a family-owned business with an excellent reputation, um, would allow me to take the ambition that I had and partner it with somebody that had, you know, really the, the, the business savvy, uh, the machine, uh, but they also aligned with, with our values, right? They live by three core values. We, do, we adopted them when we started the business. You know, we put safety and quality of life first. We're customer and relationship driven. We treat others the way we want to be treated, where everyone is welcome and respected. And the simplicity that came with that was a big attractor for me. And then selfishly, Chris, I didn't have to go set up the infrastructure. Health insurance, retirement benefits, payroll systems, um, all that stuff existed. And when we started the business, I remember telling the the chief people officer at Gray Inc. I told Susan, I said, yeah, we might grow to 10 people in about five years. And she called me two years in and was like, uh, yeah, we need to talk about your projections for a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I have to ask you about that as well. Um, and, and I can certainly see the benefit of, you know, kind of let, let's call it starting a startup within an established company. But you said, I mean, this happened in like 2017, 2018, I believe is the official date. Um, but I, I got to hear, how did you turn this into... I think it's somewhere in the range of one of the 20 largest systems integrators, according to Controls Engineering. How did you do that in such a short period of time? I mean, we're really talking like five years, basically.
0: Well, I learned a very important lesson that a lot of a lot of people learn. Uh, sometimes we learn it too late in our lives. I was lucky to learn it pretty early. So the answer, Chris, is I didn't do anything. I instead went and found a bunch of really smart people uh, to do it to do it on our behalf. And it's, it's really important. It's, it's very challenging, right? It sounds great as a leader to say, I'm going to hire smart people and empower them just to go do their work. It's way easier said than done um, because we have customers to serve. We have responsibilities to, you know, make payroll and make things happen and keep the business healthy. But if you can unlock that and have a, a strong team around you, um, they do all the hard work. I mean, so the the my only job, I say, is to, I have two jobs on a daily basis. I have to find smart people, and then I have to find cool stuff for them to work on. Um, engineers love to problem solve. Um, they're essentially degreed problem solvers. It's what they go study and understand is how to, how to solve problems. Um, and so it's our job to both to do those two things and keep them in balance. That balance is not always easy, um, but that's what we strive to do, is constantly uh, look for smart, intelligent, curious people to join us, and then go out and find really complicated things for them to
1: work on. So let's talk about your people a little bit more then, because you talk about getting smart people. You talk about folks that are curious. What do you personally look for then in the people you hire, right? Because I'm sure it's not always a degree or something like that. I'd love to go into that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, the, the degree piece is, is interesting. And, and, you know, so I'm, I'm a high school graduate. Um, no associate's degree, no bachelor's degree. College was not my thing. Uh, and so we we try really hard to keep that open mind and and really try to uh, tear what they call the the paper ceiling now, right? To say that you don't necessarily have to follow that path to get in. So I'm very passionate about people making taking a non-traditional path into a role. Um, so we look for people that are driven, um people that are curious. Um we have open office environments for our hubs. so there's no no debt, da- no walls. Um, so my desk is out in the middle of the floor with everybody else's when I am in the hub, and you can tell people that want to thrive in that environment that level of transparency and collaboration is really important. And I would say, you know, being being here on a startup this week, the important thing that the team needs to do every day is collaborate with each other and, and get creative to solve a problem. Um, their engineering skills, their degrees, their training that they, that all helps with that. That's a, that's an absolutely essential skill. But the what makes a great solutioneer is somebody that's just willing to keep trying, try new things, go solve a problem, get creative. We we had a fun little bug this week of something that wasn't working because, long story, but a piece of software on a locked down kind of custom, you know, skidded system uh, needs a temperature sensor. If the software thinks there's a temperature sensor there, we didn't order the temperature sensor. And they've been chasing this out. And somebody just said, what if we just go get the temperature sensor and plug it in? Then it'll be there and the machine will run. And it's kind of like that—that that thought process, to for people to solve those problems—is what what we try to find and, and hash out in an interview and in a
1: conversation that that we can bring onto the team. How do you see? You talk about creativity. You talk about curiosity. And that was a great story right there. How else do you see curiosity and creativity manifest itself in? the projects you do. You gave an on-the-fly example. I mean, what does that look like when you're planning for a project? You're figuring out, hey, are we going to pursue this or not? Well, I think the one thing I
0: look for is if a
1: customer comes to us and they have a, I usually say, if they have the
0: binder of specifications that they hand us and say, here, please go build exactly what we have written down in the specification book, um, I'm usually raising my hand and going, guys, this is not a good fit for us. We like problems, so we like people to come to us with outcomes, say, here's a problem, and we'll put in the scope of work. Here's the outcome we'd like to deliver for you. Um, The technical details are super important, right? I I never want to come away from a conversation like this, Chris, and somebody think that we don't care about specifications or engineering standards or everything else, but I've been on too many projects where that becomes the focus instead of what we're trying to accomplish. Nobody ever writes a specification to just sit down and do that and then do nothing with it. Um, we're always trying to accomplish something for our customers. Our customers have business needs. When we can truly understand those and we're helping them solve that, those are the projects that we do the best on. And then I think our customers are typically the happiest on.
1: So uh, I'm going to I'm going to talk about your people a little bit more. And this this kind of gets into hiring a little bit. What uh, how can you tell if someone has a willingness to learn when you're talking to them?
0: That's a, that's a fun one that we're, sometimes we're still trying to figure out. We don't always get it right. Um, But I think you you can almost see a a sparkle in people's eyes when they hear that we're, uh, we're in the middle of trying to sort out a problem. What do we do? What are we trying to solve for a customer when they can have that, that lens and say, tell me more about that. What do you, what do you mean when worked a freezer with pork and pigs? Tell me more. That kind of conversation you can have in an interview will tell us a lot um, about whether a team member is ready. And and as people also grow in their careers, I think it's also important for us to point out that our most senior engineers can learn something from the interns um, all day long because they've never seen anything. They've never seen this before, but they may have a wild idea that just might work. Uh, And So it's really important that no matter, I think, where somebody is in their career, no matter which level we're interviewing for, um, I want the very most senior people in our business to also want to go learn something new. One of the first engineers we hired, I remember interviewing her in the Atlanta airport. Uh, it's actually our first, the first, very first engineer we hired is Grace Solutions. And she'd been working on a project for several years. It was a, uh, it was a government job. So we'll just let the, you can, the, the your, we can make the assumptions we'd like to about the level of specificity, et cetera, that was there. And, uh, she said, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this. I want a new challenge. And I would like, I like to work on something different every day. And I remember warning her at the time, uh, be careful what you ask for. I might be able to deliver on that. Uh, And I called her this week and said, Hey, I got a new problem for you. I need some help. Can you, (laughs) can you help us out here in a couple of weeks? Um, and it's, you know, so it's that, it's those kind of conversations in an interview where you figure out, okay, yeah, this person really wants a challenge. They want to learn new stuff.
1: Do you have a favorite interview question while we're on this topic that you like to ask candidates?
0: Man, if I give it away, then I'm afraid that people are going to know when they come into the interview
1: with Oh, OK. Well, OK. I, I have had guests use this as like a precursor for their interviews. It's like, hey, listen to this podcast, see what we're all about. So maybe you don't you can give away your best one or maybe your second best one, your pick. Well, I'll make you a deal. I'll give away my best one if you'll answer it. Okay, I'll take that trade. What's your superpower? Storytelling and helping other people tell their story as well. That's I could I could go on and on about that, but honestly, it's kind of meta since we're talking about this on a podcast right now. Yeah, no, that's
0: that's that's the kind of thing, right? We can when I ask that question, I can learn a lot about somebody real fast.
1: Are you looking for the answer, how quickly they respond, their thoughtfulness? Or do you, look, do you look at all of it like in that scenario?
0: Oh, I'm looking at all of it because, the, because it's never the words. Um, sometimes it's the surprise. It's, the, it's just an interesting question. And it's interesting to see whether people have ever thought about it or not. Because even though Superman and Superwoman already have jobs, um, we, we all tend to have a superpower. Um, and understanding your own strengths can really help you
1: understand where you fit in a team. Well, Walker, you're the podcast guest today, so I've got to return the favor and ask the question back to you. What is your superpower? You know, I'm going to twist
0: yours a little bit. Mine would be, i say, communicating, coming up with um, simple ways to explain complex problems um, and, and boiling those down. That's what, um, that's what I always love doing for our customers is taking something really, really complicated and fitting it on in a sentence. And that's a, that's a unique skill set. Uh, we actually provide... Uh, training for our team members to help them work through that right helping technical people boil
1: things down so that we can explain it to non-technical people Uh, that's a skill set in and of itself that is really cool that you have a training for that because i agree being able to take a complex topic and simplify it i think back to professors i had in college folks that have been really good at that throughout my career excellent tip excellent thought right there a couple more questions on this topic before we move into some, let's say, industry-specific stuff. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? This is a tough one. You know, I would say that
0: probably the best piece of leadership advice that I've ever received is to to understand that leadership is a journey, not a destination. And to look around and realize that people you may look up to as leaders are still working on themselves. Um, And on their skill sets as a leader, I think too many people that we put into leadership positions, they kind of see it as a destination and that they don't understand that it's a constantly evolving journey. Um, I've been lucky, especially over the last couple of years, to be part of the Gray family. Um, And we've got an amazing team of leaders that operate across our business. And one of the one of the more eye opening moments for me was a conversation with the CEO of Gray Construction where he was talking about struggling with do we, how much time do we spend on strategy versus tactical execution and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, man, I, I, Brian's one of somebody I really look up to. He's, he's an awesome leader. I wish I could be as good as he is one day. And understanding that we all struggle with those things um, and we're constantly evolving as leaders, no matter where you are in the organization. And we and we say that that leadership is not a is not a title. One of our guiding principles at, at Gray, is a, as the Gray family of companies, um, is that everyone is a leader, and we, we really want people to see that they lead. You know, they may be leading a project or leading a team. Or, you know, we talked a lot about curiosity and leading customers into solutions. Leadership's not a title; um, it's an action, it's an activity that we have to perform. And yeah, you know, it's, it's it's you've got to constantly work on it. It's like any skill; it's always always got to get better
1: you and I are 100% on the same page there. I've said that for years, that leadership is not a title. It's an attitude. It manifests itself in your integrity, the things you're doing every day. You've provided a lot of great advice for the audience in these answers. But one other piece of specific advice I'd, I'd love to hear from you is there are parents out there listening to this, people that are hiring. And, and you mentioned that You know you have a high school degree you're not looking at that on resumes or in the interview as much like so what advice do you have to people that are parenting kids that are making career decisions that hey maybe college isn't the route they're gonna go or maybe if you you can you can pick whichever way you answer this what advice would you give to the people that are hiring that may be looking at that too closely as well well for those of you that are
0: hiring and looking at that too closely. Uh, please continue, and I'll accept all of your rejections uh, at info at graysolutions dot com. You can just auto forward those to us. Um, you know, but to, more importantly, I think to I people, love it to people that are out there in the trying to make that decision. It's funny. I actually had a, a, a friend who's a customer of ours. She was going through something with one of her kids. And was trying to decide whether he needed to go to college, culinary school, or trade school, or just go straight in the workforce or whatever. And I, I used to be very shy about my story. I used to feel like an imposter. And uh, she she gave me a dress down one night over dinner for not saying more. And her point was, you know, we hear about Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and those guys all the time. And that's a great story. But, okay, they're they're literally the half of a percent of the world. Um And she was like, if more people like you would tell your stories, um, then it would make my life a lot easier as a mom. And it's (laughs) Chris, it's funny. You asked. I actually had a conversation uh, with somebody about that today. Uh, They were just we were talking about it. And I I said, "The, the most important thing that you have to do is like what you do every day. Jim Gray says, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that's a very true statement. That's and that's that's what it's got to be about. Secondarily, from the education standpoint, follow the path that feels right. I have an immense amount of respect for people that either have four, six, eight, you know, doctors, twelve years of, of, of education. Um, I didn't have the patience to do it; that it's a shortcoming of mine. I have a lot of respect for those people, um, so you also should not devalue that that experience in that degree. Um, we need diversity in the world to make it a better place. And that doesn't always mean the diversity that we think of when we say that, that means diversity of thought as well. And so you need people from those different backgrounds um, that go do that and just, just find something you love and do it. Um, and that's, and that can change as you go through different parts of your life.
1: But if you find stuff you
0: love, you'll be, you'll be a happier person.
1: Walker, I'm not going to lie. That's a more holistic answer than I expected. You covered a lot of ground from advanced degrees, high school degrees, everything in between. And you know, I have an incredible amount of respect for what you've built at Gray Solutions. I appreciate you sharing your story here today. I know the audience is learning a lot from you. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. you build control panels? Do you want to reduce your overall project time by 59%? Then you should check out ePlan because that's exactly what automated drive systems, ADS, did when they partnered up with them. ePlan is helping companies like ADS create standardized processes for more efficient engineering. That's because ePlan is more than your typical CAD software and is ideal for creating electrical schematics and panel layouts. When ADS needed to become a leaner operation, ePlan standardized their creation of electrical schematics and panel layouts, and the data from ePlan fed directly back to equipment that automates both panel wiring and enclosure modification. It even creates 3D digital twins of panels, so you can visualize the configuration and design before building the real thing. So, if you're building panels and you too are trying to run lean while reducing your design and build times like ADS did, Then go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash ePlan to learn more. And while you're at it, don't miss episode 132 featuring our full-length interview with their well-traveled solutions architect, Sean Mulherin. He's got some good stories, but for now, it's time to get back to today's episode. the other thing i want the audience to learn from you is just some of your industry insights as well because you're out there you're doing a startup this week like you're in the day to day literally so you're a systems integrator for like food and beverage cpg life sciences chemical here in 2023, what's a common challenge or maybe even a new challenge that most manufacturers are trying to solve? And, and the one caveat I'll say to this is we know there's a workforce issue out there right now. What's a what's a different answer? I hope I didn't I hope I didn't take your answer away, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's involved in that. You're familiar with the workforce
0: challenge. wow. Well, you must, you know, have <laughs> come up for air in the last 10 years. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of things that are happening, particularly in our, our industry with a heavy with focus on food. Consumer demands are changing faster. And we're doing a podcast right now that people can listen to in their cars, at home, wherever they want to. I'm recording it from, you know, a job site. Information moves at a completely different pace. And one of the things that we're seeing is that that's changing how customers buy and it's changing how manufacturers are producing their products. And, many of our customers are trying to figure out how that can evolve faster um, how they can do uh, make more changes provide more personalized premium products uh, at the same time they're they're challenged with providing way more products not just from a, like a SKU count but also the quantities of those things they need to produce and and that's a real interesting mix that people are trying to get to uh, manufacturing requires stability. We want strong, stable operating platforms, both from a physical and a digital space. And that's sometimes at odds with fast, flexible, I want to do a bunch of new stuff, I got to put new products on the market. And so cu- our customers are always trying to, to solve that. I think the other challenge that they're facing that I think is is emerging and newer, You know, you talked about the workforce issue, but I think what we overlook with that is I think we're in the middle of, we want to say industry, whatever industry.o version we're on today. Um, But the reality is what's also happening is the relationship between humans and the machines we interface with, whether it's robots or autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars, right? This is a, this is a societal, this is a social problem that we have to overcome and our customers are facing it as well. How do you get people to be comfortable with that? Right? I mean, I think I said before, and I think still that it's one of the biggest changes we've seen since the automobile and the human merged. We got off horses, right or out of carts. We went from interaction with an organic thing to, hey, trust this thing that like catches on fire and blows up on purpose to propel you forward. And, and not only do we want you to trust it, we want you to get inside of it. You know, that, that evolution is happening in, happening in manufacturing right now but with the pace of modern technology. Um, And that's presenting some real challenges in in how people are thinking and how companies are thinking and investing and how we're looking at stuff. So that that itself is going to be, a. I I think it's fun. I'm excited about trying to help figure it out. Um, But that is a challenge that is in front of us right now.
1: So you're excited about it, but we know not everyone out there is excited about it. Some people are nervous about it you could even say they're scared about it a lot of people just don't know what to do about it which another question i had for you is around innovation why should you embrace innovation and not fear it being afraid of it
0: doesn't do anybody any good first off and i think i'll, I'll dial back and make sure we all have the same definition of innovation right um in invention and innovation i think often get confused um, we think of them sometimes as the same thing. Well, they're very much not the same thing. I view innovation as the idea of bringing two ideas together that have not been brought together before. So it doesn't have to be something that's net new. And you you look at innovation as, you know, hey, what if we did that? I, I was with a customer a couple of years ago and 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 was talking about coffee flavoring. Um, and I said to the customer, I was like, well, here's how we flavor pet food. We put it in this machine we do x y and z to it and then this happens And we dump it over here and it helps make the flavor stronger blah 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 blah. and i asked the coffee guys i said what if we did that with with ground coffee like would that help would that work would that solve a problem and the, the engineer uh, looked at me and he was like no that won't work because of how coffee works but no one has ever asked us a question like that before so it's, you know, he, at first I was afraid to be like, you idiot. No, that won't work, but no, instead and And somebody might not bring that idea forward, but I was like, I don't know, maybe it would work. Sounds interesting. Let's, let's see what happens. Uh, so innovation leads to failure just as many times as invention does too. And, and you can go too far, right? People have been burnt by bleeding edge technology is why we call it bleeding edge instead of cutting edge. You, you can go a little bit too far, but in today's uh, cycle, If you think about the impact that cell phones have had on manufacturing, and I'm not talking about um, connected workers and tablets, I'm talking about the evolution of camera technology that's embedded in cell phones and how that's propelled vision system technology in the manufacturing space, right? Those two are very tightly linked. If we hadn't seen the investment by the Apples, the Googles, and others in the smartphone technology to make cameras better, our vision systems in factories would be lagging. Instead, it's accelerating. And so those two things are related, Um, and if you're not staying on top of it and innovating, one of your competitors is, Um, and they'll take your
1: shelf space tomorrow if they can. Well, one of the things that you just brought up that I'm curious to get your perspective on as an integrator is you talk about leveraging bleeding-edge technology, cutting-edge technology, something I think you do very well at Gray, What are the ways to mitigate the risk of leveraging new technology? Feel free to answer this from the context of an end user or what you do at Gray personally. Uh, Test,
0: test, 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 test. And not just physically, virtually. You know, run, use simulation software. Trust your engineers to run models and check things out. Spend the money on a proof of principle. Bring something in on a smaller scale and test the theory that you're playing with. It, it'll take longer maybe to get to what you need. Um, but if you can find a partner uh, that, that's willing to try that with you, uh, and I'm not, I'm not just pitching us. We do proof of principles for our customers all the time, but we also have industry partners um, that do that as well. Um, and, and you can find folks that, that will engage with you like that, uh, and that's going to accelerate your chance of success in the field. The other thing I'll say though is don't don't go too crazy, um, because then you'll slow down what you might need to improve. And at the end of the day, those those proof of principles are always at a smaller scale. Stuff changes when you go at scale, um, and so you know, kind of find that balance, find that uncomfortable position, you know. And if you're trying to figure out when is the right time to take your proof of principle and start moving it forward. I would always suggest find that moment where you're not sure if you've done enough testing and you think you've done too much. Be in that uncomfortable space where you're like, I think we could test more, but I also think we've tested enough. If you can find yourself in that spot, that's the moment to go.
1: What a great litmus test. I mean, I appreciate all the specific advice you've given. You're not just giving general answers. You're saying, hey, leverage simulation. You can check these things out virtually before you're doing it physically. A lot of great advice across the board. I mentioned this at the start that we'd get back to your rebrand and maybe not coincidentally, it's it's very story centric based on the question you were asking earlier about superpowers. So, Great Solutions recently went through a rebrand, and aside from looking very cool for anyone watching the video, you got the logo on the shirt today. It's a slick, slick new logo, but I have to ask, how did you know it was time to change or evolve the story that you were telling to your customers, partners, and the industry in general that warranted a rebrand? You know, so we were on our – we had our fifth
0: anniversary in January. Um, And we've been through massive growth and changes as the business has grown. We started out in the beginning with our first chapter as uh, a company that was very tightly connected to construction and some of our large projects. And at the time, our logo looked just like our sister company's logo with the word solutions tacked onto the end and the colors flipped. Worked out great. As gray evolved, uh, we needed to change that up a little bit. And so we launched with a slightly twist, different twist on that logo at the time but we're still really connected to that industry or to that business. I want to be crystal clear. Gray is in our name, Like we are still very much tied to that. I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a job site trailer today and I got Gray construction right behind me. Um, in the next trailer with our team. And so what we wanted to really express is we wanted to make sure we, we, we kept the tie to that original business. But if you go all the way back to the story of why we started as a business instead of a division of the other company, um, it was all about how we could serve those customers beginning, middle, end of their projects, and really for their lifetime. And we realized that this, the way we were branding did not tell the story of all the awesome stuff that our teams do every day. And so last year, we realized that, okay, it's time. It's time to get started. Um, and that This is a very serious endeavor that we're going to go after. So this has been a year-long journey for us. Um, we, didn't, we didn't wake up a month ago and decide to do this. And like like any good like any good uh, techy minded person, first thing I did was pick out our new web platform, um, and then went to go find partners that could help with it. So we kind of even even in our rebrand, we put the technology first.
1: What do you do to make sure your story stands out? Because as I've gotten to know Gray, I always think of you as an innovative company. When I think systems integration, you're one of the first people that comes to my mind. So. What do you do to make sure your story stands out in a sea of plenty of other me toos?
0: Yeah, uh, it's, you know, and there's a lot of great system integrators out there. The CSIA community and you know, we we're a part of a group called Automation Alliance Group where we connect with with those folks. Uh, and so part of our challenge was you don't want to stand out too much. You you our industry's not ready for the uh, Tesla of systems integration yet. And, and maybe never will be, um, what we wanted to do was really make sure that we could tell the story of the cool things that we did, but back it up with the technical chops. And so we really try to focus on those outcomes that our customers are after. Uh, Let Curiosity Lead has a great segue so we can tell people what it led to um, and really help emphasize that story on what those outcomes we can deliver for our customers are. You know, Chris, the biggest thing for us, we're, we're excited about our new marketing and uh, about it launching. But the word of mouth conversations between our customers is still probably one of our, our best referral sources for work that we get. Um, and a lot of our customers have very secretive projects that they don't want us talking about. And so what's important for us is to tell that story. And one of the unique things about our industry is the storytelling that we're doing you know, with our, with our public facing stories we're communicating not only to our customers but we also happen to hire people that are also interested in that stuff too. And so, you know, it's important for us to tell those stories in a way that works for both audiences.
1: What advice do you have for folks whether it's their company story or their personal story because you've hit on both of these today. How do what advice do you have for people to get more comfortable telling their own story? I think first off, understand it, spend some time thinking about it and
0: and practicing it. It's. Uh, I think they used to say, stand in the mirror in your bedroom and, and tell the story. Uh, I got great news. You don't have to do that anymore. Um, set your iPad up or your phone up and, and tell it and then uh, go watch yourself. That's the now realizing I have to listen to this podcast at some point in the future um, and, 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 and critique myself. But that's the best way to do it is to get that practice. Uh, we share the same thing with our engineers when it's like, how do you present to a customer? sit down with a colleague and practice it. If it's a big enough thing and and run through it, it'll help you think through your process and it'll help somebody else give you that feedback. And and there's no substitute to spending time sitting and thinking about it. We talked about leadership earlier. One of the things that our COO Drew emphasizes a lot and and pushes me on is to make sure we're all spending time thinking, um, dedicating thinking time. Uh, One of my other mentors, Tells tells a lot of stories and, and, and told me a story once about how, you know, it's okay to take a minute and think. Uh, he was telling me that his his daughter asked for a hot dog and he thought the answer was no, but he didn't want to tell her she couldn't have a hot dog. So he realized he's like... I'm going to tell her I'm going to think about it for a minute. And and that if he can can think about the hot dog, he can definitely spend some time thinking about really, really complex stuff like telling your personal story or telling your company story. That's a really important part of of getting your message out for folks is letting them know uh, who you are and what you do and why you do it.
1: Great hot dog story. You definitely do have a knack for simplifying complex topics. As we get to the end of our conversation, I have to ask, is there anything – in the breadth of stuff we covered today that you wish I would have asked that still hasn't come up.
0: I think you did a, did a pretty good job of, of, of covering most of it. I would think the only thing I would maybe sprinkle in there when it comes to branding or executing or looking at our work is our employees are absolutely critical to what we do. Um, Our customers are very important there as well. But the other thing I always look for are partners what who are our partners that can help us deliver that. And that's that's everything from the partners you would think a system integrator would have, Rockwell and the like, but that also could mean other companies that we may work with that we partner with for delivery on projects um, and marketing partners, et cetera. All those things, when you think about building those partnerships, if you're if you're building a systems integration business or I mean building any kind of business. Go out and look for those partners and put energy into them. When we talk about our second core value of being customer relationship driven, sometimes people hear customer relationship and they kind of hear it as the same word. No, no, I want to be clear. It's customer and relationship. Those relationships with partners can also be really critical and something um, that I've had experience on in the last couple of years that we didn't spend enough energy on. Um, And we we've changed and pivoted and spent some energy on it. And I can tell you that the dividends pay off when you put the calories into that.
1: So customer and relationship. I like the emphasis about partners that not only from you, but it's been a theme on the show we've been hearing more and more lately. So one of the nice things about doing this is I get to kind of digest some of the trends that I hear from guest after guest. So I appreciate everything you've shared today, Walker. I do have to ask, and maybe this came up on a bar napkin at Caluse or something like that, but where did you guys get solution Solutioneer from? Right? Is there a story behind that? Uh, Obviously, it's gray solutions, so I get where that could come in. But is there a good story behind that as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I mentioned uh, our COO Drew, who leads our operations team. Right? He he makes uh, like I said, I have two jobs: find cool people, sell work, um, find cool problems for them to solve. Drew fits in the middle. He makes sure that we can figure out how to deliver on all those problems that are that we we say we can fix. And he he and I spent some time a couple years ago thinking about how important it was going to be to have an identity for our people um, and how important that was. And and we were, we were kind of joking about, you know, Imagineering and how that had sunk in and what that was. And, and he, I I don't know if it was an actual bar napkin, but it may have been like a text message or something very similar. And it was just, he threw out solution here. Uh, And I stared at it and I was like, well, that's cheesy. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, that's what it is. That's what, that's what it is. Uh, And if you, if you check out some of our our stuff, we give we actually have a, t- sh- uh, a baseball tee every year that everybody gets uh, with the year on it as part of our company meeting, and on the back it just says Solutioneer, and it's it's just a reminder. And I think uh, back to that storytelling; it's an identity for our people to share. Uh, some people think it's cheesy, whatever. Uh, it, it helps give people an identity, and that 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 helps really create that that team environment and atmosphere. And I love when customers ask me what it is. So it's,
1: it's a lot of fun. It is a conversation starter. It's not nece- necessarily something I thought I was going to ask in this conversation, but I do feel a perfect way to end our discussion today. Walker, what's the best way to connect with you and Gray Solutions? You can find me
0: uh, LinkedIn, online. I usually say you can reach me by email, phone. Uh, you can check out our new website at graysolutions.com. Uh, being a systems integrator the only thing we don't take are faxes so do not send us a fax we will not get it um, but yeah you can reach us gray i have to, it's our new website uh, just launched here recently we're very excited about it go check it out and you can find a myriad of ways to reach us there
1: i'm excited for you and your team too after over 150 episodes this is the first time we've gotten a don't fax me disclaimer on the show so love that we've uh, we've got some uniqueness here at the end as well walker mm-hmm. thanks so much for jumping on today's show Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening. As always, if you want to learn more, head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 158158. That's where you can go to learn more about Gray solutions, connect with Walker, and of course, if you find yourself in Florida, you can look up clues so you know where to go for a pork chop and a beverage. Before we wrap up, I want to say thank you to our sponsors this week, e Plan and 3M. Make sure you're checking out that Clash of the Grinders student edition video series over at 3M's YouTube channel, 3M Abrasives Manufacturing Happy Hour dot com Slash 3M will take you straight there. And if you're looking for help with panel design, digital engineering, eplan is your answer. Manufacturing slash eplan to learn more okay so one more final announcement this week i haven't mentioned this in a while but if you want to join a community of manufacturing leaders that's over 600 people strong well hey join the manufacturing happy hour industry community on linkedin manufacturing slash community takes you straight there and the reason i bring this up is we actually have an event coming up with gray solutions taking place on november 7th in boston massachusetts You're not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned to that group to hear the news first. And with that, just want to say, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we'll catch you here on Manufacturing Happy Hour again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.